Well, happy Pentecost, happy birthday to the church, if you will. Um, this is a, a, a glorious day, being Pentecost and having these baptisms, and I hope you, I hope you heard it um, when we were baptizing these children, how much um, Holy Spirit language we were using, because one of, one of the things that happens is baptism is, is we invite the Holy Spirit to descend upon these children, even now, even at such a young age. Because we want them to know the fellowship of the church and the Holy Spirit in their lives. And one day, one day when these kids grow up, it's our prayer and our, um, our hope and, and, and all of our actions that we're trying to raise them so that they can know and love Jesus and know the power of the Holy Spirit for themselves. That they can take uh, what was granted to them here at baptism and take responsibility of it in their own lives. And so... That is our prayer, and we know the Holy Spirit will work to do that because, frankly, the Holy Spirit can work in amazing ways in our lives, amazing ways. And um, that's what we're going to look at this morning is, is our reading from Acts, which was uh, so amazingly done on the video we saw. The Holy Spirit descending on these disciples and basically transforming their lives. And so when we look at this story, we see... Um, we see two things. One, there's a story. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes? We see that in a story. And then the second part of our reading this morning is, what does it mean? What does it mean that these disciples are speaking in tongues, that tongues of fire landed upon them? What, what does that mean? So what happens and what does it mean? That's what we're going to be looking at. And so maybe you have a Bible with you. Um, maybe it looks like this. Maybe it's electronic. It doesn't matter. Um, but you can open it to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible carry, I'll put it on the screen. Um, we're going to look at this story, the story of, of Pentecost. What happened? What happened to those disciples? Um, and what does it mean? What did it mean for them? What does it mean for us today? So it probably helps to think about the last two months of these men's lives. Um, you know, roughly 50 days ago, they were walking, probably well, 57 days ago, they were walking with Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus was riding on a donkey. The, the crowds were laying out palm fronds before them and shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Hail the King of the Jews! A mere five days later, that same Jesus being hailed as King of the Jews was nailed to a cross. And then three days after that, this man that was nailed to the cross was raised from the dead. And can you imagine these disciples and the emotional ups and downs of that and seeing Jesus risen from the dead and having 40 days to be with him on earth and Jesus is teaching them about all the things that it means and, and opening up the scriptures to them. And then Jesus says, okay, it's time. It's time for me to go. And so he ascends, he ascends into heaven and he leaves the disciples with a promise. The Holy Spirit will come. And they don't really know what that means. Um, it sounds a little strange, maybe. Um, but the Holy Spirit will come. And, and so they spent this time reading their scriptures, learning from Jesus about, about what their scriptures mean. And, and now they're engaged just in a time of prayer and waiting and they're up in the upper room, and they're waiting and waiting, and then finally, when the day of Pentecost arrived, 
they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So if we're going to ask um, what happens, the first thing we see is, is what happens when we, the disciples, when we, you and me, believers of Jesus Christ, when that Holy Spirit falls upon us, what happens? And um, the first thing we see with these apostles is, is he fell like tongues of fire. We don't exactly know what that looks like. But, but the best way that, that Luke could describe it in his book, he said it was as if, as if tongues of fire fell on these people. What does that mean? Well, fire is pretty significant. In the Old Testament and well, throughout Scripture, it does, it does typically two different things. One is it cleanses and purifies a refining fire. You've probably heard that term before. It cleanses and it purifies. The second thing that fire does is it ignites. It ignites. It burns. And so think, if you will, of, um, let's say you had a wet, a wet stick. And there's a campfire and you threw, threw the wet stick in the campfire. It's not going to burn right away, but it'll probably crackle and pop. And you can think of that maybe as... as the fire cleansing and purifying as the Holy Spirit comes on our lives like fire. He cleanses us and He purifies us. And frankly, this is not always fun. Okay? It's not always fun because, because the Holy Spirit has this amazing and really frustrating, I mean for me, not necessarily for Him, ability to convict me of my sin. To show me where I've fallen short of God. And believe me, that happens a lot. And so think of fire, cleansing and purifying, and the Holy Spirit coming upon you and basically showing you all those places where you've fallen short of God and leading you to the cross and leading you to repentance. But if that stick stays in the fire long enough, what happens? Eventually it ignites. It catches fire. And it burns, and if the Holy Spirit falls on you, He will ignite your heart for a love of Jesus Christ that you cannot even imagine. And you can't help but to tell of the wondrous works of God and to go out and show the world of the grace and glory of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit came on them as in tongues of fire. It, it was cleansing and igniting um, and when that happened, the second thing we see is, is the Holy Spirit showed Himself. He was made manifest in the lives of those disciples. Uh, the, the analogy to the wind is so appropriate that the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. Because you can't see the wind. You can't see it. You can try and you can try and you can try, but you will not see the wind. You'll see the effects of the wind. You'll see the trees blowing, maybe a tree knocked over. You'll see maybe the lights flickering if it's a particularly powerful windstorm. But you won't see the wind. And so the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You, you can't see Him, but you can see what He does. You can see what He does. And so in this instance, He, he showed up on these disciples and, and they started speaking in other languages, languages they didn't know, languages they didn't understand. 
all through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he still does that. He still does that. It's all sorts of different things. It's, it's, um, maybe it's healing, supernatural healing. The Holy Spirit does that. Maybe it's um, a prophecy, giving, giving somebody a word or, or, or vision of something that they would not otherwise know except for the grace of God. The, the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. These things happen. Now, some of you are probably sitting there and thinking, well, I've never seen that. Um, I invite you to see that. That, that, that. We can talk about that later, but, but it happens. But, but the fact of the matter is, even if you're not seeing it supernaturally, you're going to see it in your life. In your daily, day in, and day, life, day out life, the power of the Holy Spirit showing up. And, and what this looks like is, is having a peace in the midst of, of turmoil, having a confidence in who you are and what Jesus Christ has done in your life, having um, this amazing resolve to share the gospel. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Look at the Apostle Peter. This man is amazing. He, in the Gospels, is really, he's not the brightest dude. And so he, he, he's making mistakes and messing up. For most classic would be, um, you know, Jesus says, yeah, well, you know, one of y'all, y'all are going to deny me. And Peter says, no, Lord, not I. I will never deny you. And Jesus says, yes, you will. You'll do it three times before the morning. And he does, three times. He denies Jesus before Jesus is crucified. And, and so, so Peter, you know, I, I like Peter because I can identify with that. And um, he receives the Holy Spirit in this passage. He receives the Holy Spirit, this that's tongues as a fire fall upon this man, and, 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 and he responds to these people with the most amazing sermon that has ever been given. I mean, read it. We, don't, we won't read it now, but, but verses 14 to, to, to 37, um, most amazing sermon ever. He, these people, it says in Scripture, were cut to the heart. 3,000 people came to Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through the words of Peter. That's not supernatural. I mean, it is, but it's not, it's, it's not something, um, it's not tongues, and it's not healing, and it's not, it's not prophecy. It's just a man proclaiming Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit works that way, and he wants to work that way in your life. You have to ask him, but he wants to do it. And there's another group of people um, Something that happens when the Holy Spirit comes. And um, these are the folks who don't believe in Jesus. So verse, verse 5, they were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Are these who are speaking not Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our own native languages? And then, then we get these lists of nations from, from around the known world at the time of, of people who are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in verse 11, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said they were filled with new wine, which is a very nice way of saying they were drunk. 
What does this mean, or are they simply drunk? And so this is how the world is going to respond to the Holy Spirit. There, there's, only, there's only two options, guys. There's only two, and you've heard me say this, and I, I can't say it enough. You can either explore and find out what this means, or you can reject it, but you cannot sit there and think, well, maybe the Holy Spirit is interesting, maybe Jesus is a good teacher or a nice guy. That is not an option. He's God, and he gives the Holy Spirit and wants to work amazing things in your life, or he doesn't. You've got to decide. Okay? And so we have these people, and the people that were convicted, the people that were cut to the heart. What does this mean? And Peter tells them. And they respond, and they receive Jesus, and they receive the Holy Spirit. But everybody else, they're just drunk. They're just drunk. Those are your choices, friends. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he, he makes it very clear. These people are filled with Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, or you're not. But that's available to every single person in this room today. But we'll get to that. So, what does it mean? So, all these amazing things are happening, and, and it's, it's really interesting when you read this, because like five times in two verses, you have these words, they were astonished, they were bewildered, they were amazed, they were astonished again and amazed again. They came running to this group of 12 men who had been hiding behind a locked door, mind you. They come running to them to find out what is going on. What does this mean? And Peter stands up and he says, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it means. And it's, it's really interesting. I think about that time Peter had with Jesus. You know, after Jesus was raised from the dead. Peter had, you know, all those disciples had this time with Jesus. And, and it says that they, Jesus opened the scriptures to them. Jesus opened it up and showed them what it was saying. And so the, these, these folks asked, what does this mean? And Peter says, oh, I know what it means. Jesus told me. He told me. And so he, he thinks back to the prophet Joel. And this amazing prophecy. So we'll start verse 14. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. 9 a.m. They're not drunk at 9 a.m. Um, maybe it's possible these guys weren't drunk at 9 a.m. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So Peter looks back on Joel, and in Joel, it's an amazing story. I recommend it to you. It's a, um, a prophecy. It's a small book in the Old Testament. It'll take 30 minutes to read it or less. Um, there's a, a, a plague of locusts in Israel, and Joel is, is prophesying. And he's saying, you know, the, this turmoil you're in, this is a foreshadowing of God's coming judgment. God will judge this world, but there will be a time where he pours out his mercy, where he pours out his grace. And after that, when that happens, his spirit will fall upon you. And this is, um, this is the prophecy. When that spirit falls upon you, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, 
I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And so Peter's seeing these disciples and he's seeing the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, this is what Joel was talking about. This is that time, the day of of grace and mercy of God has come. The day of the Holy Spirit is here. But it's also the forthcoming judgment of God. It's coming. It's coming. And so I I say that word judgment, and y'all are all like, oh, I don't like talking about that. Um, It's okay. Judgment, you you want judgment, okay? You want a God who judges sin. If God doesn't judge sin, when you die, when you go to heaven, and you're with Jesus, and God hadn't judged sin, heaven's going to look like this. Except not this, it's going to look like that. It's going to look like your Sunday news. Okay? Do you want that? No, there's something more. There's something different. And so God judges sin, and he, he has mercy on us and grace, and he pours out his Holy Spirit. And, and here's the amazing thing is that this, this Holy Spirit is available to everyone. Everybody in this room, you can have it. Old men, young men, sons, daughters. Can, can, can you imagine? This is a, um, excuse me. a Greek culture... Where women are are to be seen and not heard, and, and maybe even even worse. And he's saying the women will prophesy; they will receive the Holy Spirit. What a scandalous thing for him to say! Slaves will receive the Holy Spirit. What an amazing thing! Where where all people—it doesn't matter who you are, what race, what what ethnicity—doesn't ma- doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit's there. But it also means judgment. And so, so we go on to read the rest of this prophecy. Um, so people will receive the Holy Spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And so, friends, I'm, t- I'm telling you, we are in these last days. This is, this is from the time of the birth of the church, from the very first Pentecost up until Jesus comes again. These are the last days. Jesus will come back. The judgment is coming and it's building. And, and you can see, you know, he, all these, this creation, is, it seems like it's falling apart, but it's really it's, it's groaning. It wants to be released from the um, enslavement that our sin has put it in. And so... So you have the, the natural disasters, hurricanes, earthquakes. Um, these things are all part of, of, of the, the creation wanting to be redeemed. And we see it. We're in these days now. We're in these days where a judgment is coming, where God is going to return. And the offer is on the table because this, this is kind of a scary picture. Okay? Blood, a moon turning to blood. Signs and wonders in the heavens? What are you going to do? Well, it's very clear. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we're in this time, these last days, and the invitation is on the table, where all who call upon the name of the Lord who shall be saved, all who confess faith in crucified and risen Jesus Christ shall be saved, shall be redeemed, shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the question is on the table. On this Pentecost, on this Pentecost Sunday, what's it going to be? Are you ready? Will you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Will you receive the forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ? Or do you think I've just been drinking? I haven't. Those are the choices. And so as we come before the Lord, as we, as we celebrate this magnificent power and grace that He's given us, He wants you to make a decision. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fall fresh on your people. Fall fresh on your people that that those who know you and love you would receive your Holy Spirit in new and magnificent and empowering ways. And if there are some here, Lord, that, that don't know you, that don't know the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray that your Holy Spirit would turn their hearts. They would ask, um, with, with those people who heard Peter's speech, that they would ask, what shall we do? That they would repent. And that your Holy Spirit would fall upon them and give them a grace and a joy that they have never known in their lives before. And we ask all these things through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.